Hi, I'm the Strategist Cowboy. Today I am going to review a mild dark ale from Wales. And I set it up against an American probably red ale. The beers are called Welsh Dark from Evan Evans and Red Seal Ale. Our first contestant this week is the Welsh Dark, with the added text, traditional mild ale, as the brewery calls it. The beer is from the renowned brewery Evan Evans, based in Landelo in West Wales. I'm not sure I pronounced it right. The Welsh Dark beer assortment contains water, barley malt, and most likely yeast. Although they mention on the bottle that there is barley malt in this beer, it is only for the purpose of warning allergic people. Otherwise, there is no record anywhere about this beer's ingredients. Not on the brewery's website, not on the bottle, and not at Sustainblog's website. There could be more ingredients. There, there probably is some hop in it anyway. This particular beer is good until no one knows. According to the bottle label, the expiration date should be on the bottleneck, but I can't find it any. Can, can, I cannot find any. I purchased this beer in mid-June 2022. The beer has been standing in my cooler since I purchased it. The bottle contains 50 centiliters, i.e. 17 liquid ounces. It has got a three-folded black bottle label featuring the moon above a cloud and some stars on the front label with golden and red text on it. I have got to admit, it is a solid looking bottle and labels. This beer cost me 26 Swedish kronor, i.e. 2 US dollars and 30 cents. That is 54 cents per four ounces of beer. Cheap, cheap, cheap. It has got a low level ABV, but ABV isn't everything. It's just something. Can the beer still be as good as the bottle and label promise, despite its low, low price tag? The preferred serving temperature for Welsh Dark is, according to Systemblog, 10 to 12 degrees Celsius i.e. about 50 to 54 degrees Fahrenheit. The Welsh dark beer assortment has got a 4.1% ABV. 4.1% ABV. How about the experience then? Well, 
hasn't got a very tall head and it's uh, brownish in color. I can't see my fingers through the glass. It's bubbly on the inside. The carbonation level is, I don't know, we'll see. But the aroma is uh, not very, it, it's a little bit faint. Yeah, this is a, I guess it's a stout or a porter, uh, not very uh, thick and oily, or oily, and then uh, first impression is A little bit thin, perhaps. It's not that rich. But uh, I mean, for the price tag and the low percentage ABV, it's, it's perfectly okay. Yeah, it says on the bottle that there are, are it has gentle undertones of liquorice and chocolate with a rich malty finish. I'd say yes to the malty finish. But the licorice, you have to look very deep into the glass. And the chocolate is not. A uh, perhaps a little bit licorice, but not much. And no chocolate. I think. Uh, is it yeasty? Is it bread-like? I don't think so. It's malty, uh, as I said. Taste on my palate. Well, that, that's where the, the licorice uh, sets in, on my palate a little bit. Let's say there is a little bit of licorice taste in it. So we don't uh, treat them, uh, the brewery, too arbitrary. Is it sweet or dry? Uh, let's see. Neither, neither. Or both, if you want to put it that way. Bitterness and or hoppiness, yeah, well. Not very bitter, no, no it's not.
and it's not candy like is it hoppy uh, let's see a little bit uh, but not candy like not exactly any fruitiness in it either Spices. Uh, I don't sense any actually. Perhaps, uh, yeah, perhaps a little bit. But what kind of spices are? I do not know. I'm not a cook. I can't tell the difference between spice and spice. But. Um, The undertone. We have a drink uh, on bottle here in Sweden called Julmust or Poskmust. That's sold during Christmas and Easter. And it's a little bit uh, like that in the undertone. I, I know that uh, Coca Cola bought up. Uh, the Julmust uh, production from, uh, I think it was Apothecanes, but I'm not sure. Because they couldn't sell uh, Coca-Cola in Sweden during Christmas time. Everyone drank Julmust. So Coca-Cola bought Julmust and continued to make Julmust. And I guess it was a good deal. Uh, not for us, though. But um, the carbonation level in this one is uh, we'll see we'll see it's not creamy it's not acidic and there are no aberrations it's dark roasted but not very dark and not oily in any way it's a little bit thin and i guess it's filtered Maybe there is some bread like wort bread. What isn't it called that? I think so. Wort bread. I think a little bit perhaps, uh, but not much. And uh, well, that's about it. What about grading then? One moment. I can, I can, uh... how many devils do I grade this beard? I'd say, uh... six devils or five, five devils, perhaps six devils out of 10 possible. I think I will grade it. It's, it's not a bad beer, but it's not that great either. And for the money spent on it and the low ABV volume level, well, I guess it's okay.
Yeah. So um, let's move on to our second contestant. Our second contestant for this week is the Red Seal Ale beer assortment from the North Coast Brewing Company, located north of San Francisco in the USA. The ingredients in the Red Seal Ale beer assortment are water, barley malt, hops, and most likely yeast. It has got an IBU bitterness of 42. Is it a red ale? You'd think so by looking at the bottle and reading the name. This beer has got a weird expiration date. Or it is not an expiration date, and it hasn't got an expiration date. The expiration date says 2008-01-28. But sales start for this beer assortment was May 2022. I purchased it in mid-June 2022. It has been standing in my cooler since then. The Red Seal Ale beer assortment comes in a size 35.5 centiliters, i.e. 12 liquid ounces bottle. The bottle labels is red, black and white with a red seal in a white circle on it. The Red Seal Ale beer assortment cost me 24 Swedish kroner i.e. 2 US dollars and 10 cents in June 2022. That is about 70 cents per four ounces of beer. Systembolaget says that the preferred serving temperature on this beer is 10 to 12 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 50 to 54 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery says nothing about preferred serving temperatures. The Red Seal Ale beer assortment has got a 5.4% ABV, 5.4%. How about the experience then? It's got a sweet, uh, syrupy aroma. But if it is syrup, I don't know. I hope not. It's got a small... It, 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 it hasn't got a tall head. It's barely... Well, it's a half a finger tall. And uh, the color is orangey, amber, piss-like. I hope it doesn't taste like piss, but I don't think so. Let's uh, try it. It's a little bit cloudy, the beer is. 
Uh, the aroma is uh, hoppy. And the first impression is that this is a hoppy beer. It's truly hoppy. And it's fairly rich. Let's see here. It's uh, that's all. So the ingredients are malted barley, hops, yeast. That's it. And um, let's see if I can find anything interesting on it. Uh, the bottle. I don't think so. Um, yeah. The first impression is I don't think it's a red beer. I don't sense any any of the red beer's uh, particular taste. But uh, it's more like a, an IPA beer or an OPA beer. I think. Yeah, it is. I don't think it's bread like. Or yeasty. But it is malty. And the taste of my palate is. Hoppy, very hoppy. It, it, it is very hoppy, this beer. Is it sweet or dry? More sweet than dry, for sure. It's bitter and hoppy. Or is it more sweet than dry? I'm not sure. It's neither, I think. It's not candy-like. I wouldn't say that it's particular fruity, particularly fruity. One moment, excuse me. It's got some carbonation level in it, but not very, well, it's a, uh, Excuse me, again. I think it has got some spices in it. The undertone is uh, a little spicy. And the carbonation level, I guess, is normal to high perhaps i don't know it's difficult to tell at this moment in time it's not creamy it's not acidic and there are no aberrations and it's not very dark roasted 
let's see here. I'll pull up the last piece of, or last in the bottle. Yeah. It's not, uh, It's not very dark roast, but perhaps a little bit to the dark side, a little bit. And I certainly don't think it's a red beer. It's uh, probably filtered. I think so. And uh, well, I'm glad uh, I can't sense any syrup in it. Yeah, that's positively good. And there's not much more to tell about this beer. What about grading them? How many devils do I grade this beer? I'd say... Uh, Seven or eight devils out of ten possible. I think seven devils out of ten possible. It's not a bad beer. It's a good beer. But uh, System Blogged, they buy in assortments, assortments uh, of ver mostly very high quality. But there are exceptions that are remarkable, remarkably low quality beers can be sold at Sistinbrage. But mostly, mostly they sell good beers. Seven devils out of ten possible, yes. I think it's a little bit more dry than sweet. After this uh, time, I, uh, I have uh, since I opened the bottle and tried the beer. So a little bit, uh, yeah. Mm. Okay, absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underage or pregnant. <laughs> This week's lesson is actually two lessons. I call them clutter and OTHB radar. The first lesson, clutter. An airborne reconnaissance radar system should have good ground clutter suppression against low flying targets. An example of a reconnaissance system is the radar in the American Airborne System, AWACS, Airborne Warning and Control System. AWACS have the ability to detect many flying enemy targets and have personnel on board to command their own fighter aircraft. A cheaper but qualified radar system for smaller platforms is the area or Aircraft Reconnaissance Radar PS-890. 
This system is more in the nature of a traditional reconnaissance platform that sends automatically processed target data to a ground-based command system. Discrimination of low-flying targets and ground clutter is done by pulsed Doppler radar. Doppler shift occurs when radar targets in radial motion relative to the radar increase or decrease the frequency of the reflected field, depending on whether the target is approaching or receding. Fixed and moving targets on the ground can be sought out and tracked from airborne radar systems or unmanned aerial systems that have special ground target modes. These radar systems can also perform mapping of land areas and monitor water areas since they are equipped with signal processing to deal with sea clutter. The American JSTARS Joint Surveillance Target Attack Radar System is used e.g. to locate, classify, and track ground targets at long distances, more than 200 kilometers, from the air. Signal processing makes it possible to classify vehicles as wheel or track-based. There is a phenomenon called multipath propagation, which means that the radar radiation in addition to taking the direct route, route to the target, takes detours via reflections in various objects. Multipath propagation is of great practical importance in radar fire control from the ground against low-flying aircraft. When coverage gaps and elevation angle errors occur, Multipath propagation via reflections in the ground or water surface into the main lobe of the radar, so-called hot clutter, are used by fighter jets to disrupt enemy airborne radar systems. The radar target area is a measure on how much of the electromagnetic field is reflected back to the radar. It mainly depends on the object's shape material, transmitted frequency, polarization, and viewing angle. Typical radar target area for a fighter aircraft may be 10 square meters. For a small aircraft, one square meters. For a cruise missile, 0.01 square meter. And for a small bird in the size of a sparrow, 0.001 square meters. A radar signal consists of a carrier wave that is modulated in some way with the help of another signal. The modulation can affect the amplitude, phase polarization, or frequency of the carrier wave. Amplitude modulation with pulsed signals is common and has given rise to the concept of pulse radar. During the pulses, the carrier wave is emitted in a large number of periods or oscillations. 
For some applications, a continuously transmitted carrier wave, a CW radar, is used instead. There may be applications where a good ability to distinguish moving targets from ground reflections is desired, e.g. for detection of low-flying missiles uh, over ground terrain. GMTI, Ground Moving Target Indication, i.e. electronic interception of moving ground targets, requires advanced signal processing. When the radar is on a moving airborne platform and measuring against the ground, the, the picture is complex because parts of the ground clutter get the same Doppler shift as the slow moving targets. The result is that a minimum speed of the moving targets is required for these to be detected. The lower limit is in the range of five to eight kilometers per hour. Interference protection of various kinds is introduced in the various parts of the radar system to suppress signals from jamming transmitters and, if possible, block signals from false targets. Interference protections are often con consistently programmed into modern radar systems. And the source for this was an FOI briefing sensors number three 2004 but let's move on the second lesson over the horizon radar an OTHB radar in Sweden called space wave OTH consists of a very large antenna system it is expensive to develop including surrounding systems and costs a lot to keep in operation. The ionosphere, the layer of the upper atmosphere at about 60 to 1000 kilometers altitude, acts as a mirror for frequencies below 20 to 30 megahertz. This principle is used in, elect in electrically directed so-called phased array OTHB radar. OTH means over the horizon radar. The frequency range of these radar systems is 3 to 30 megahertz, i.e. much like a shortwave radio. After reflection in the ionosphere, the radar radiation hits the Earth's surface very far away from 300 kilometers up to 3000 kilometers and well beyond from the transmitter. The target reflections are also reflected in the ionosphere before reaching the receiver. The skip zone is the first stretch of at least 300 kilometers where the OTHB radar cannot see unless it is an NVIS, Near Vertical Incident Skywave radar. ENVIS has a special antenna that emits its electromagnetic radiation almost vertically, which means that the distance between the ground wave and the space wave skips zone ceases to exist. 
There are also OTH surface wave OTH SV, SW radars with a typical range of around 100 kilometers in the Baltic Sea. In the summer, it can reach 150 kilometers. Low salinity in the Baltic Sea and low bandwidth results in poor range resolution and fast moving targets are expected to be difficult to detect. In the Atlantic, you can have up to 400 kilometers of range with an OTH SW radar. SW means that the radar beams follow the curvature of the Earth with good dispersion, but less radar reflection against small targets, and it is used for surveillance. OTH SW radar is called surface OTH in Sweden. OTH systems are used by the major powers and in Australia. One of the sources of knowledge, although not directly cited, is the FOI report, Radar Beyond the Horizon, OTH, a brief overview focusing on surface OTH from 2014. Thank you and see you later, alligator at a wild crocodile. Mm -hmm.